up I'm driving when the sun goes down The hum of 18 wheels Lord, that's a lonely sound I spend all day Chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever to the day that I died I said 18 wheels rolling on the road It is my life 18 wheels rolling on the road It is my life I gotta see I gotta look around I got diesel smoke rolling From two chrome stacks My address is 408-414 A big blue Mac Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever to the day that I die I said hey my life hey daryl that's uh off of our brand new cd lonesome road volume two that's dennis mckay singing that dennis is a good friend of ours yes he is so daryl we need to put on a couple more songs off of our lonesome road volume two cd i think joe arview we just happen to have a couple joe arview songs on our lonesome road volume two cd here's take me to a better place I was driving down that 18 Bottoms Road With a pounding in my head From 18 wheels on the road With a hard day behind I look ahead Through the windshield of my truck That keeps my family fed Well I caught myself a praying And wiping away my tears Thinking about a better place and time Where I found Jesus and he took away my fears I guess that's why I'm not afraid to die Take me to a better place, take me to a better time I'm tired of this hard living, 
still too young to die If I could drive across this valley And never see another day But I tell you, Jesus That'd be okay But I'll tell you, Jesus That'd be okay See my family and home Watch my baby girl Outside the play But life on the road is all I know And God knows I still dream of a better day Take me to a better place Take me to a better time I'm tired of this hard living I'm still too young to die Drive across this valley and never see another day. I tell you, Jesus, that'd be okay. Well, I tell you, Jesus, that'd be okay. But I know there's still some things I gotta do. And I'm gonna be right here until I'm through. And God'll take me by the hand and get them done. To a better place, take me to a better time. I'm tired of this hard living, still too young to die. If I could drive across this valley and never see another day, I tell you, Jesus, that'd be okay. But I tell you, Jesus, that'd be okay. But I tell you, Jesus, I guess I'm gonna stay. We did say a couple, so here's another song off of our Lonesome Road Volume 2, Joe Arview singing Two Ordinary Men. This was written by our good friend Galen Taylor, and here's Joe to sing it. upon the wheel Met our living hauling freight cattle, grain, and steel We were cold, hard, and calloused from the years out on the road While the devil held the wheel We gave our lives to the Lord But the sinful lives we chose to live came with a dreadful cost Sin began to drag us down Our families all but lost It made one night God spoke to me Said this is your last call If you don't turn to Jesus Into hell you fall Well I cried out God You know I'm weak I've tried so hard to change Sweet Jesus I believe Free me from these chains Oh, 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 
still would not believe You said I need a sign And if God will show that he is real Then I'll gladly walk that line He drove on through that lonely day His heart was cold as steel And then he saw that sign Out in that Midwest field Jesus' arms were open wide Blood dripping from his hands He said this one's for you Come and be God's man We were just two ordinary men Strong hands upon the wheel We made our living all in freight Cattle, grain, and steel We were cold, hard, and calloused From the years out on the road While the devil held the wheel We gave our lives to the Lord still on the wheel our nation's freight he hauls he spreads the gospel through the land the preacher he is called now the other took a different road to that oil patch he was sent telling men to turn from their sin and hear the Lord repent we were just two ordinary men strong hands upon the cross Standing side by side To bring the gospel to the lost And we were cold, hard and calloused From the years out on the road Now Jesus took the wheel And we gave our lives to the Lord Friends, this is Chaplain Gary Rayburn. Alongside of me is my partner, Daryl Spicer with Channel 21 Ministries. And we are riding along with you in the cab. And hey, we're just going to have a great program today. We have our friend, Dr. David Gibbs. Yeah, we call him our friend, even though we've never met him. But I did talk to his secretary one time. Yeah, see that? You know people. They know people. Yeah, I called uh, Dr. David Gibbs' office and asked permission to use these powerful messages of Dr. David Gibbs in our programs, and they were tickled to death that we put these out all across the country for you, the drivers, out there on that old lonesome road. Dr. Gibbs speaks at churches, and he also goes around to businesses, and, and he helps businesses grow and be better leaders. And his stories are heard all over the country, but they're not heard in the cab of your truck except through this radio station. And if you'd like to contact Dr. David Gibbs, you can do that. Christianlaw.org. That's his website. You can find out all the information you need about Dr. David Gibbs. You can probably even find some of these great messages that we're recording and bringing to you out there on that old lonesome road. He talks a lot about doing God's work and being in God's will, especially with this message today. And it's so amazing how the Lord works through his people. I heard someone say the other day that uh, his people are like gloves, and God puts his hand inside the gloves, and he does the work through us. Amen. And it's so amazing to see his work 
and in the finished product. In my weakness, I see failure. But with his strength, I see victory and I see success. It's just like with Gary's ministry, Lonesome Road Ministry. Mm. I mean, if Gary did it, he'd mess it up. Trust me, I've seen him work. <laughs> and it's the true. same thing with Channel 21 Ministries. Yeah. It's the same way with all of the ministers that we're associated with. They put God first because we know our weakness. And this is Dr. David Gibbs today on, on this program is really going to bless you. You need to listen to the details of some of the stories he gives. And some of it's pretty funny. Yeah, these, uh, these are some powerful, funny stories with a message that will sink deep, deep into your hearts. If you'll listen to these and you will be blessed, I promise you that. So, driver, keep that radio dial tuned in for Dr. David Gibbs. Gary, I'm back here in this sleeper. This is the skinniest sleep I've ever seen in my life. I have to lay on my side, and I'm still <laughs> hanging off the bed. This is a little bunkhouse right here. This driver don't have room for a bag of potato chips, much less a microwave and popcorn. Well, let's just get into Dr. David Gibbs' message, and you'll forget all about those potato chips and everything that you're missing out on. That's right. Because you're going to be rolling off the bed in laughter. Brother, there's no room to roll off this bed. <laughs> Here's uh, Dr. David Gibbs. My mom was the church pianist. We never miss church. We're the folks who showed up at church an hour early and stayed an hour late. We lived at church. My mom was a wonderful pianist, conservatory trained. Wasn't anything she couldn't play. Man, you'd put music down, she could play it. And our whole life was me listening to my mom play with the choir and music groups, anything. Then one day our life got turned upside down. I came walking downstairs and my mom was in the kitchen getting breakfast ready. I never forget her words. She looked at me and she said, Davy, I, I think I'm really sick, son. Run get your dad. Watched my mom walk out of the kitchen, sit down on the living room couch, and my mom never walked again. Polio had come to our house with a vengeance. Within the hour, I watched my mom curl up and start gasping for breath. I watched her struggle just to swallow. When the hospital medics came, they said, we don't know if she'll be alive to get to the hospital, but we'll try. When they took my mom out the door, I didn't realize I wouldn't see her for over two years. I tell everybody, don't you ever miss the chance to hug your mom's neck because you don't know when the last time will be. Two years is a long time when you're a little boy. They took my mom, put her in an iron lung, and all we got week after week was reports she's not going to make it. Then reports we think she's going to make it, but she'll be totally paralyzed. Finally, they said we think she's going to have a limited use, maybe a little bit of her arms, but but they said, now we're going to break the quarantine and you can come see your mom. My sister and I were the most two excited kids in all the world. Just to see her was going to be big to us. We went to the hospital. They put us behind a glass plate. We were looking down a hall and they said, we'll bring your mom to the, to the door and you'll see her. And I don't sound like much to you right now, but when you haven't seen your mom for two years, you can't imagine what that my sister and I, we showered twice. 
really just, we wanted to be perfect to see her. They wheeled my mom to the door, and when I saw her, my heart broke. She couldn't turn her head to look at us. And she had to ask somebody to turn her head so she could see us. And when I saw that, I got upset with God. I said, God, this isn't fair. My mom's done nothing but serve you. Church is our life. He didn't have to do this to us. I know people who don't go to church, God, and they got none of this. And you could have left her neck. You could have made it where she could turn her head. And I looked at my mom and my heart broke. My mom looked back at us, and how many of you know moms can know, they know what their kids are thinking. How many of you know that? She sent a nurse down, and the nurse came down, and she said, are you Davy?" I said, yeah. She said, your mom says you're not supposed to think that. <laughs> and I did exactly what every kid does. I said, I'm not supposed to think what? She runs back to my mom, comes back to me, here's what she said your mom said he's doing all things well I thought mom if it makes you better to say that okay fine but this isn't well the nurse looked at me and here's her words she said your mom said God's molding another year went by they finally decided she was no longer contagious. My mom could come home. And when my mom got home, the first thing, I mean, here she comes in a wheelchair, strapped. Can't hold her head up. Strapped in a wheelchair. First thing, we, she comes in the door. My dad said, before we put mom in bed, let's have family devotions together. It's been a long time. My dad read from the Bible. Then before we prayed, everybody gave their prayer request. You know what my mom's prayer request was? I almost fell over. She said, pray God gives me something to do for him now. And, and I said right out loud, Mom, we've been down that road. We were doing everything for him, and look at what it got us. I said, you can't play the piano anymore. You can't even sit up. And my mom said, it don't have to be the piano. She said, I miss playing it more than you can imagine. But she said, anything. I just want to do something for him. Every night, every night. That was her prayer request. Pray God. A lady strapped in a wheelchair can't feed herself. Pray God gives me something to do for him. The pastor of the church we were going to, as mad as I ever got in my life, he came to visit my folks. And my mom said to this preacher, she said, to pray God gives me something to do. And that preacher looked at my mom and he said, Miss Gibbs, you need to get this through your head. God's done with you. And when he said that, I almost hit him. I thought to myself, you may be right, but you've got a lot of nerve to say it. And boy, I was mad. On the way out the door, I told him, I said, God will decide when he's done with us, not you, mister. And my mom, she said, now, Davy, words just come to you. Don't say nothing, son. Just don't say nothing. <laughs> well, I was going to say a lot more. <laughs> you know, if you're always looking for people to say the right thing, you're going to be very disappointed in life. 
about a month went by, a preacher stopped by our house and he said, you know, he said, we got a brand new work down here and he said, we got a Sunday school and these were his words. He said, it's a mess. That's his words. It's a mess. He said, some days we got no kids. Sometimes we got five or six. A big day we have 10 kids. But he said, I'm telling you, it's a mess. And he looked at my folks and he said, would you be willing to work with that mess? I thought, boy, this guy got away with words. (laughs) I mean, he calls it a mess. The minute he left, I said to my mom, we're not messing with this mess, are we? I said, look, I'm telling you right now, he wants to palm it off on you because it's aggravating him. And, and he wants his mess to become your mess, and we already got enough messes in our life. You know what my mom said? She said, I asked God for anything. And she said, one nice thing is kids aren't afraid of me in my wheelchair. She said, adults just stare at me, but kids don't. My mom and dad prayed about it. They said, we'll be glad to do it. Boy, I told my mom, this is the dumbest thing I ever heard of. Going to a Sunday school with no kids. And I reminded her every day. I said, you watch. I'm going to be right in this. You know what my mom did? Every day she'd get her up, dress her, and put her in front of the mirror. And for an hour she practiced her Sunday school lesson. And then she had us put her back in bed. And I thought, man, she's trying so hard. Come the Sunday, we go to Sunday school, there's not a kid there, none. And I told my mom, see, there's no kids here, none. She looked at me and she said, no, there's kids here. I said, who? She said, you and your sister. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. I thought, I'm doomed to go to Sunday school with my sister the rest of my life. But my mom gave us that lesson like there were a hundred or a thousand kids there. Finally, one day, a couple months later, my mom said, you know, I figured out what's wrong. I said, what's that? She said, our Sunday school don't have any kids in it. And I said, way to go, Mom. You got it. (laughs) She said, but I've been praying and I got an idea. I said, what's that? She said, tomorrow I want you to take me downtown to the big bus company. And we're going to ask them to give us a bus so we can bring some kids to our Sunday school. I said, the big one in town? She said, yeah. I said, I don't think they give them away down there. I don't think they do. (laughs) You know what she said? She said, they'll just have to. She said, I've been praying, and and we're going to watch God do what only God can do. Boy, the next day I take her down there, huge bus company. No place to park. We finally park up against the wall. I mean, there's hundreds of buses. We park under a window. I get my mom out. I said, now, don't be disappointed when they say no. She said, you just take me in. And I get her in her wheelchair. I strap her all up. We go in. Come up to the receptionist. The receptionist said, can I help you? My mom said, we've come so you can give us a bus. And the lady said, I beg your pardon? And she said, we got a Sunday school. I'd like you to give us a bus. The lady said, I don't think we do that here. But she said, I'll call somebody down. She calls the vice president down guy comes down very nice my mom said look we got a Sunday school and I got a heart to see some kids know Jesus could you give us a bus we could use And the man said lady we don't do that and we're not gonna do that and he said now I'm real sorry to tell you no but if you get some money and he said they're expensive you come back 
But he said, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I've worked here 35 years. We have never done that. We're not going to start now. And he said, I just want you to know, I'm sorry, but no. And he was real polite, but adamant. And my mom said, well, I appreciate you telling me that. I mean, she's in a wheelchair. She said, before I leave, could I ask one question? He said, sure. My mom said, do the buses belong to you? And he said, what do you mean? She said, do you own them or do you just work here? And he said, well, I don't own them, but I'm the vice president. He said, no, the buses don't. And my mom said, well, no wonder you can't give me a bus. They're not yours to give. And the receptionist sitting there said, yeah, that's right. They don't belong to him. And I'm kind of like, you know, that's pretty good. That's Way to go, Mom. Score one. I mean, that was... She said, can I talk to the owner? He said, lady, the owner won't talk to you. She said, would you call? He called. Here comes the owner of the whole thing. That man walks down. He said, I'll tell you why I'm here. He said, you parked your car right under my office window. And unbeknownst to you, I saw the pain you went through just to get in here. He said, I've never seen anybody care about something that much. Now, he said, I'm not giving you a bus, but I thought I ought to tell you personally. My mom said, well, thank you. She said, before I leave, can I just say one thing? And he said, sure. She said, one day when you stand before God, he's going to be awfully upset <laughs> that you didn't give me a bus. <laughs> when she said that, I went, Mom! Lighten up, man. Oh. The man said, what? She said, you could help me make a difference in where kids spend eternity. And she said, I don't think God's going to like it. That man looked at my mom and he said, lady, I got a question for you. My mom said, what? He said, if I gave you a bus, who would drive it? You? And my mom said, well, you know what? You're right. She said, I hadn't thought of that. She said, I need you to give me a bus and a driver. <laughs> and when she said that, the vice president goes, I don't believe this lady. This is unbelievable. He said, okay, lady, you hear me. Now, you hear me. He said, I will give you one bus and one driver one Sunday. And the vice president said, Al. And I love what he said. He said, look, she's already pointed out to you they don't belong to you. <laughs> and if I want to give a bus away, I'll give one of my buses away. He said, but I'm only committing it for one Sunday. I said, I don't believe this. I don't believe it. She got a bus and a driver. My mom, oh, thank you, thank you. She said, but, she said, I, I sitting here, I got to tell you, I need three of them. She said, you need three. She said, there's three parts to this town. And she said, God really wanted me to ask for three, and I didn't have the nerve.
Could I please have three buses and three drivers? I love what the man said. He said, lady, you're unbelievable. He said, I'll give you three buses and three drivers for one Sunday, but you've got to be dead sure God knows about this, okay? What he told my mom. And my mom said, oh, I will, I will. On the way home in the car, I said, I don't believe this, Mom. You, 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 you got three buses. You, She said, I didn't get them. She said, son, I can't dress myself. I got to be pushed everywhere I go. But she said, I serve a God who can mold people. And he can use what he molds them into. He only gave us three buses and three drivers for one Sunday. Because the second Sunday, he gave us four. <laughs> and within five years, he was giving us 35 buses and 35 drivers every Sunday. And he did it for over 20 years. And never charged a penny. <laughs> the Sunday school with no kids in it, in seven years' time, never, never, had less than 5,000 children every Sunday. And it was run by a lady who couldn't hold her own head up. He wrote my mom a letter at the end. And Brother Rowe, I love the letter. He said, Miss Gibbs, best thing I ever did was give you some buses. He said, because I gave you some buses, he said, my whole family is now saved and on their way to heaven. He said, because my kids rode your buses. And then he put in parentheses, which were really my buses. <laughs> Can you imagine my mom talked him into painting the Sunday school name on the buses? <laughs> He said, because of you, almost every bus driver I've got is saved and on his way to heaven. He said, because a lady in a wheelchair wouldn't let him sit in the bus. <laughs> every Sunday she'd have me push her. I don't care how deep the snow was. I don't care how bad she was hurting. She'd have me go bus to bus. And she'd say to the driver, now you put out your cigarette, you're going to church with me today. She said, it's time for you to clean up your life and get saved. Come on. He said, thanks for doing what couldn't be done. Are you ready to be molded into what he wants to do? Search me, mold me. His strength in your weakness, search me, mold me. Lead me. Not my will, but thy will be done. You say, but I got plans. That's the problem. We all do. We've all got our own agendas, our own ideas, our own plans. And God's looking for somebody who says, you just lead, I'll follow. Wonderful hymn of invitation, where he leads me, I will follow. But what a Bible truth. Anywhere 
anywhere. Put heaven's flashlight on me. Search me. Mold me. Make me into what you want me to be. And you lead me. His strength is made perfect in weakness. Well, how about it, driver? Do you think you could be as strong as that little woman in the wheelchair? That's not going to happen. I know I couldn't. But she had faith way beyond what she could do or any other human being on earth could do. She had faith. She was doing what she couldn't do because of his strength. She could get it done. Our weakness and the willing to admit our weakness is what God can use. Because when we think we can do it on our own, we get in his way. But that lady was such a powerful woman sitting in a wheelchair. The Bible says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him. See, that's a big key to it right here. That's called faith. You have to trust in him. And he helps me. My heart leaps for joy. And with my song, I praise him. The Lord is the strength of his people a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. So see, we put all of our hope, all of our joy in him. I tell the chaplains all the time, just plant the seed. God will water it. Just plant the seed. He'll supply the sunshine and all the rain it needs. Because you see, the Holy Spirit does all the heavy lifting. We just need to be available and admit that we're weak. And through him, we become strong. Through him, this lady got a fleet of buses and children to Sunday school through the Lord, not by her. But what an amazing mother David Gibbs had. I'm in awe of her and what she done. She's taught us a valuable lesson. You know, drivers, uh, when we come to Jesus, when we come to the foot of the tree, the foot of the cross, when we bow our knees, it's like getting in that wheelchair and saying, Lord, I can't do it, but if you'll help me, there's nothing impossible for you. We can do whatever God has called us to do, but we have to bow our knees. We have to get in that wheelchair, if you will, and say, Lord, I give my life totally to you. I can't even move my hand. I can't button my shirt without you. But Lord, you be my hands. You be my strength. You be my guide. You lead me. You take me where you want me to go. I surrender my life totally to you this day. And if we will do that, if we will surrender our hearts, then God can do the impossible in our life. God is attracted to you because of your weakness. That's amazing. That's, that's, it's, that, it's, it's hard to get my head around it. Yeah. God wants to do something in your life this week, today, that's impossible, but you have to surrender totally to him. You know, Gary, it was like when I tried to quit nicotine for years and years and years. I couldn't do it. I, I wouldn't do it. But when I hit that altar, I didn't ask him, to take that away. I didn't ask him. All I did was say, God, forgive me of my sins. And I said, I'm sorry, over and over, way too much. Mm -hmm. But I got up from the altar, 
And that nicotine was gone. Yeah. It's been 11 years. I haven't touched any of it. But it's not my strength. It's through him. Amen. Yeah, for me, it was alcohol. I was an alcoholic. At the age of 43, I surrendered my life totally to him. Driving down the road. And you may be driving down the road right now. I didn't pull over. I didn't even think about pulling over. All I did was just say, Lord, I give my life totally to you. Come into my heart and save me. And he did. And when he did, he took that addiction of alcohol away from me. And it felt like the weight of the world came off my chest. And it felt like I was floating. And I floated on home. And I started trying to live the very best that I could for God. And I'm still trying. Amen. <laughs> We're, you know, that's one thing that'll never stop. But the neat part about that is as we live our life, and we seek to do the impossible because we're a willing vessel. We're willing to get out there. You know, people that won't do things because they're worried about being foolish are foolish. Amen. you got to take that leap of faith and know that God's going to be with you. And trust me, I make mistakes sometimes. I mean, I don't need help making myself look like a fool. But if you put it to God in prayer... He'll help you, and he'll guide you. Amen. So, friends, we want you to do one thing for us. That's give us a call. My phone number is 618-383-2107. Call me, or you can call Chaplain Daryl Spicer. 615-663-3199. We want to hear some good news. Yeah. So, don't wait. Do it right now as you listen to this song. And the battle seems to 
press on every side But God's a work in something out for you When you're too weak to make it through There's a fountain flowing clear and deep and wide And it's a water from the presence of Jehovah It's a wellspring shall run dry There's a fountain overflowing for the soul who is not growing and the notion of God's grace and vast supply Now it's a river from the throne room of the master And it's a sea of grace and peace in it So friend, if you are thirsty And you're in need of mercy Come to Jesus And you'll be satisfied Cause it's a water from the presence of Jehovah It's that wellspring that never shall run dry baby was born to slave parents. Because the parents were slaves, the baby was a slave. And this little black baby never knew anything other than getting up and being in the fields before sunup and watching his parents work all day until after sundown. And because he grew up on a plantation where the whip was viciously used, from his earliest remembrance, all he could remember was the sound of that whip cutting through the air and then slicing into somebody's flesh. Sitting here tonight, I don't know that any of us can imagine what it would be like to have someone say, I own you. You're just a piece of property. And because I own you, I can do anything to you I please. And even if I kill you, I've done nothing wrong. 
a slave. When this little boy, whose name was Charlie, was five years of age, his mother did something that angered one of the plantation bosses, and no one even knew what it was. But in his presence, a man took a whip and started administering a cruel beating to his mother. Charlie went over and held his mom's head in his arms, and within the hour, she died. I wonder how you'd feel if someone whipped your mother to death in your presence, and then you held her head while she left this life. The next morning, the plantation master was so angry that the woman would die that in vengeance, he took the boy's father and sold him, and the boy never saw his dad again. You're five years old, and in one day, your mother's beat to death in your presence, and for vengeance, your father is sold, never ever to cross your path again. This young boy had some talent and ability, and on this plantation, they forbid him to get any schooling, and they forbid him to go to church. And so up until age 15, all that he did was work seven days a week. And at age 15, he could not read in English one word, and he'd never been to church in his life. His back is carved with scars from the bottom of his heels, and the back of his head has been beaten so severely that hair will not grow there. At age 15, he is freed by the war between the states, and now he still works in the fields, but at night, for the first time, he's 15 and he's free. And so they said to Charlie, what do you want to do the first night you're free? He said, I want to go to church. They said, out of everything you can do, you want to? He said, I want to go to church for the first time in my life. He walked 12 miles one way, went to a church, and there he heard something he couldn't imagine. The preacher stood up and said, there's somebody who loves you. Charlie said, there's nobody who I'm Charlie. That preacher said, you're wrong. He loves you so much he died in your place. Charlie, the first time he's in church, hears the good news and trusts Christ as his own Savior. After they prayed with them, one of them said, do you have a Bible? He said, no. They said, we want to give you a Bible. He said, that won't do any good. He said, I can't read. They said, you mean you can't read well? He said, no, I mean, I can't read at all. Not one word. I thank God for the ladies in that church. They said, listen, we need to teach this boy how to read so that he can read the Bible. Don't you ever take reading for granted. What a privilege to be able to read the Word of God for yourself. It's a treasure. These ladies each night went to that plantation and diligently taught this young black boy how to read. And what an appetite he had for the Word of God. The only thing that held him back was he couldn't get enough candles to keep him lit to read in the dark. He's in church one day, and he's now been saved three going on four years, and he said, I'd, I'd like to make an announcement. They said, what's the announcement, Charlie? He said, I believe God has called me to preach. They said, you think what? He said, I believe God's called me to preach. They looked at him, and they said, son, that can't be. You've got such a disadvantageous background, so much heartache. There's just no way God would do that. He said, well, do it or not, I think he did. And one of the men there who didn't mean wrong said, Charlie, you've forgotten you're nothing. And it startled this boy. And tears began to roll down his cheeks, and he said, you're right. You know I'm nothing. 
and I know I'm nothing. And he said, I'll promise you God knows I'm nothing. But he said, if the one who's everything wants to use somebody who's nothing, that's his business. And he said, just pray for me. I want to preach the word of God. They said, you'll fail. How many of you know people are quick to say that? I love what he said back. He said, boy, if it's up to me, you're dead sure right. But he said, if God's in this, he said, God's got the ability to make it happen. Went over 250 miles, went to the middle of nowhere to a place called Cape May, New Jersey, and there this young black man announced that he would be preaching. Had his first service, nobody came, so he stood up and preached to himself. Had his second service, nobody came, so he stood up and preached to himself. Third service, nobody came, so he preached to himself. Always preached an hour. And they said, how come you preached an hour? He said, because I need the preaching, and so he preached to himself. <laughs> got out there's a nut down there preaching to himself and people started coming just to see somebody that had that kind of commitment his message was always the same he's everything and I'm nothing and you'd be amazed at the one who's everything what he can do if someone will just admit they're nothing people started getting saved People started coming to church, got their lives all turned around. Church had 10, then 20, 30, 40, 50, then 100. They put up a small building, they filled it, tore it down, built another building, and pretty soon the largest church in the state of New Jersey was pastored by this young black man. One day he stood up and he said, I believe God's called me to go to Philadelphia. That's the second largest city in America at the time and the intellectual center. They said, wait a minute, it's one thing for you to preach out here in the middle of nowhere, but you go up there, you'll never make it. Same story. First service, nobody came. Second service, nobody came. Same message. Man, if we would just humble ourselves and admit we're nothing and acknowledge he's everything and live right, God's looking to make himself strong through the people who do that. Folks started coming. Within a year's time, they were running 20. Two years' time, they were running 100. Ten years after he arrived in Philadelphia, they put up a building that could seat 600, and it was full every service. Fifteen years after he arrived, they had an auditorium that could seat 3,000, and they filled it six times every Sunday. And the largest church on the eastern seaboard was pastored by Charlie. The man's name is Charles Tindley. And you may not know his name, but I'd venture to say you know his songs. Because he was a hymn writer as well as a preacher. They came to him at the time and said, how do you ever make sense out of losing your parents and all the things that happened to you? How do you make sense out of that? And he wrote the song, We'll Understand It Better. What's the next words? By and by was written by Charles. He said, I'll never understand it here. But he said, I promise you, he understands it all. They came to him and they said, what do you do with your burdens when you think about all the injustices that were done to you? And he wrote the song the same day. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there.
was written by Charles Tinley. At the end of his life, they came and said, what's the secret to what God's done in your life? Oh, he said, it's real simple. He's everything. I'm still nothing. And all I got to be sure, and he wrote the song, is that there's nothing between my soul and the Savior. What would it take tonight to get you to say, search me? God, turn on heaven's floodlight. Here I am. I want your strength made perfect in my weakness. Oh, we sing the song after the great passage of Scripture. Found in Jeremiah, it says, Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me, make me after thy will. What would it take for you to say, God, I want you to do to me exactly whatever you need to do for me to be what you've called me to be. Mold me. Yeah, but Brother Gibbs, that could interfere with my plans. If you're not willing to let him search you, and if you're not willing to let him mold you, all you're ever going to live with is the best you can do. But if you want to know his strength made perfect in your weakness, you got to say, search me. And you got to say, mold. My experience is Christians who don't pray that prayer ended up getting molded anyway. How many of you like me have had God do some molding you never asked for? Hold your, I, I mean, you say, oh boy. Because you see, there's just something in David Gibbs that, that wants to do it my way. And God said, I'm looking for the man who wants to do it my way mold me all right friends if you prayed and asked jesus christ into your heart then we want you to give us a call our phone number is 618-383-2107 and we're going to end today's program like we end most of our programs that's with my testimony in song that i wrote with the help of my songwriting partner tom caldwell and now we've got a new songwriting partner dennis mckay and he is helped us with this song and brought it up to a new level here's dennis mckay with at the foot of the tree off of our brand new cd lonesome road volume one and yes you'll be able to get a copy of this cd by calling us 618-383-2107 here's dennis mckay with at the foot of the tree Lost without hope Eighteen wheels of lonesome At the end of the road In my hand was a track The preacher had read His words still echoing In the back of my head I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past I called his name This chance would it be my last 
Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree. I lifted up my heart from down on my knees. Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross. Broken hearted and lonesome, so long I've been lost. I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree. Road, and I shared the good news wherever I go. Yes, there's been a change. I'm not the man I used to be, and I tell everybody what's happened to me. How I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past, but I called his name. This chance could it be my last? Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree, and I lifted up my heart from down on my knees. Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross, broken-hearted and lonesome. So long I've been lost. I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree. Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree. I lifted up my heart from down on my knees. Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross. Broken-hearted and lonesome, so long I'd been lost. I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree.